Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Sometimes, I hope there's more and more all the time, but... uh, yeah, I think uh, we're a church that uh, welcomes everybody through our doors. And so whether you come dressed in uh, flannelette or suit and tie, you'd be very, very welcome. Is it the case, and we'll cut right into some of the deeper aspects here, right at the beginning, the idea that if Jesus walked into your living room right now, or if Jesus all of a sudden, if you're listening in the car, you stopped at the traffic lights or at the intersection and and uh, Jesus is on the side of the road, he opened the receipts in, uh, that somehow or other that Aussie blokes would actually like Jesus if they met him. I'm absolutely convinced that that's true. I I look at uh, the way that Jesus lived his life and the records we have of the three years uh, walking around uh, Palestine, the things that he did, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, ordinary Aussie blokes would like Jesus, tradies like Jesus, fishermen like Jesus, accountants and tax collectors uh, like Jesus. Not too many people like the tax collectors, but they seem to like Jesus. People like to sit around a table and eat with Jesus. People liked to go fishing with Jesus. Jesus what Jesus was a good bloke to go fishing with. You know, he was like a human fish finder. You know, uh, Jesus was a good bloke to have at a wedding. First ever miracle, he turns water into wine. Us Baptists have been trying to turn it back ever since. Uh, you know, Jesus is a good bloke if you're camping on the side of the hill and you run out of food. I, I don't think it's any surprise that crowds of people, and, and often just uh, very ordinary people, or people that were described by the religious of the time as sinners and tax collectors, actually liked hanging around with Jesus. When those kind of things were happening, why wouldn't you want to uh, see who this bloke is and get to know what he was about? And I think if he was walking around Australia today doing uh, the same kind of miracles and teaching in the same kind of way that ordinary people would like to hang around. Uh, interestingly, too, uh, it's all very well to think of Jesus in your living room or jumping into the passenger seat in your car and you're going to like this guy straight away, but walking on to the building site because he is a fellow tradie walking onto the building site and in some ways here he would relate to tradesmen. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think a lot of the inspiration for this book actually came from building site sheds. So I grew up from the age of five when you're allowed to do this going to work with my dad. So my dad was a builder. My grandfather was a builder. I naturally thought I was actually going to become a builder. And from the age of five, I would go to work uh, with my dad and at times with my grandfather. And I would hang out with uh, other tradies, uh, work with them. As I got older, I could do a lot more of the jobs. And I spent a lot of time just sitting in site sheds with blokes, just listening to the stories and watching my dad and my granddad, who were followers of Jesus, be real, ordinary blokes and uh, express their faith in a way to very practical men, very active men, uh, and, and help them to see, you know, you could be a genuine follower of Jesus and an ordinary bloke that uh, worked on building sites. And-, and you've got Jesus and a number of his first disciples were fishermen. 
So this idea that there's a fabulous Aussie pastime that so many blokes love and getting out and uh, and wetting a line, uh, the idea of being a fisherman, Jesus would be a great fishing companion. Absolutely. Who wouldn't want to go fishing with Jesus? I mean, <laughs> when, when he calls his first disciples, he uh, just they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. And I have a lot of fishing trips like that where I fish all night and catch nothing. And I'm sure a lot of people listening, if you're really honest, you've had some moments where you've gone on a fishing trip and caught nothing. And uh, these fishermen were professional fishermen. They're actually very experienced fishermen, but they'd had a night when they'd caught nothing. And Jesus says to them, you know, put your boat out into deeper water and let your nets down for a catch. And this did not make any sense to these fishermen. Uh, they thought, Jesus, you're a carpenter. You don't know what you're talking about. Out. Uh, this we fished all night and caught nothing. This is not the time or the place uh, to go fishing, but because you say so, I will do it. And you know the story. They let down the nets for the catch. They catch such a, an enormous catch of fish that says they had to signal for their partners in another boat to come and help them get the catch in. Now, I've got no idea what that signal is because I've never caught that many fish. <laughs> but uh, when Jesus is around, it says they caught so many fish that both boats uh, were full to the brim. Who wouldn't want to go fishing uh, with a bloke like that? If you love fishing, uh, when Jesus is around, you get to catch the mother load. Not only that, but on another time, uh, you're out on the boat, uh, Jesus is asleep, and uh, the weather is picked up, uh, the winds are blowing, the waves are big, the, the boat is threatening to capsize, and we wake Jesus up <laughs> because, hey, we're about to drown here, why are you so peacefully sleeping there? There's a certain sense in which you know, Jesus, the bloke, uh, brings that, that, that ultimate companion on a fishing trip. Not that that was a fishing trip, that particular one, but he's on the boat and uh, your life is threatened and good to have Jesus there. Absolutely. He's a good bloke to have on a boat. Particularly, remember, there's no uh, life jackets and these blokes have never learnt to swim. <laughs> and so it's particularly handy to have along uh, on that kind of boat trip when you're fearing for your life. And you know, I think uh, this season that we're walking through as a globe right now, uh, we need uh, Jesus more than ever, or maybe we're seeing our need for Jesus more than ever to actually you know, give us peace in the midst of an incredible storm. Jason, this book's been out a little while. What sort of reaction do you get from ordinary Aussie blokes when they see the pastor up front and it's a large church, a lot of people gathering for Sunday worship and and they see, oh, that's the book that he's written. What sort of reaction do you get? Is it mixed? Uh, I think the people from uh, Gateway Baptist Church uh, probably was no surprises. Uh, so I, the book actually came out of a series that I, a sermon series that I wrote called Jesus the Bloke many years ago. And it took me 12 years to turn it into a book. And uh, so I think the people in uh, the church that I lead who know me very well weren't too uh, surprised, but maybe uh, going to, to other places and helping people to see, you know, a very down to earth Jesus. Uh, there's certainly been some surprises. And, uh, you know, probably I think it has shone a new light on who Jesus is and has helped. Uh, some just ordinary blokes that maybe have turned their back on their faith from their childhood faith 
actually uh, has reignited uh, a faith in Jesus and, and has helped them to work out how to actually be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and an ordinary bloke. Well, Jason, you're sitting in front of me now, short hair, clean shaven. <laughs> and uh, is the image that's on the front of your book, does that have any, is there any connection there to any times past? Sometimes people are quite surprising in, in some of the ways that they've presented themselves. Uh, is there a Jason Ellsmore of the past that had a beard and, uh, no, and wore no. flannelette? No? I, I, well, certainly flannelette, and I did have long hair for a time. But uh, I think a lot of people have a, a picture of Jesus uh, with long hair and a beard, but they probably normally picture him wearing a uh, some sort of white robe, which uh, doesn't... Uh, uh, equate too well in Aussie culture and so the idea of the front of the book was you know maybe Jesus did have long hair and a beard like a bunch of blokes in Australia today um, and and maybe you know if he was walking around in the streets of uh, Australia today he'd feel quite comfortable in a flannelette shirt. As I introduced you I said Jason Ellsmore he's a regular Aussie bloke who loves his footy, water sports camping and four-wheel driving and then I said what's not so regular is Jason leads a large Baptist church in the city of Brisbane now there's a little bit of a clash here a lot of the Aussie footy sports camping and four-wheel driving happens on Sunday and uh, there's something really significant in this because when Ordinary Aussie blokes who don't have a connection with church, don't have a connection with God, somehow or other making way for relationship with Christ, that's going to be a challenge too because, hey, Sunday happens, but that's prime four-wheel driving time. Yeah, that's true. And I'd say uh, being a pastor for the last 27 years has been a significant sacrifice for me uh, because it's meant every Sunday I'm in church, and I love that. Uh, but uh, I also know the joy of uh, spending a weekend out on the water or forward driving uh, or camping. And I, I think I, what I'd like to, to help ordinary blokes uh, know, if you haven't normally spent Sundays in church, that uh, you can be uh, a follower of Christ. I think it's important to be in a faith community uh, of some sort. And I think we've got churches that meet in all sorts of different ways today, uh, that we've got uh, services on Sundays, we've got services on Saturdays and Fridays, we've got uh, groups that meet during the week and there's places for you to connect. I don't think there's any excuse not to belong to a faith community of some sort. Uh, and that I think, you know, probably picturing that you have to be, you know, sitting in a local church at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning with the roast ready to go after, uh, after church is probably not the only way to be a follower of Christ. What I'm picking up with the callers who have been calling in, Jason, is this idea that camaraderie is important. And we might even equate camaraderie with mateship. I mean, that's just another wonderful way, an Aussie way of describing the need that men have to relate to one another. And somehow or other, we've got to be able to relate to men of similar interests and similar pursuits or similar testimony. What are your thoughts about men and mateship and the need to relate together? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of, you know, blokes, sadly, in our culture today, both in the church and outside the church, you know, get, get to a certain age where they find they've lost a bunch of their mates. You know, they're focused on work or they're focused on family, you know, good pursuits, but sometimes they're, they don't put the same investment uh, into their relationships with other blokes, don't know how to open up to other blokes, share some of the emotional challenges that are going on for them, don't know how to be, you know, transparent and vulnerable and uh, I think you know we, we get into a very dangerous place as blokes if uh, we don't have you know other mates that we're, that are walking alongside us that can uh, care for us encourage us spur us on you know the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron you know when uh, when two blokes come together and just share this journey of life and faith we we actually become you know stronger together than what we can ever be uh, on our own and so I think it's a really important important uh, topic for today. One of the things that causes me great sadness is that uh, is is the male suicide rate in Australia today. It's uh, incredibly sad that uh, so many young men and middle-aged men are ending their lives because they got no hope and often got no one to turn to, no one to talk to. So I think uh, anything that we can do as churches to help blokes find a place where they can connect together, whether it's over a four-wheel driving group or a men's shed group group where they can do something practical together uh, or or whether it's a book club blokes there are some blokes who actually like reading and uh, they they read together and just do this journey of life together so important some churches the men's ministry can tend to be a little sporadic and uh, you might have a diversity of men and there are some who might like to go on a four-wheel driving uh, weekend expedition but others who are saying that's just not my cup of tea I don't do that sort of stuff when you're crossing paths with men on a Sunday, what are your thoughts here, Jason, the way that perhaps men need to pursue something else midweek that actually connects with people in their church who have similar interests to them? Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, the majority of churches, once you get to a, a certain size, you know, whether that's 50 people, 100 people or 1,000 people, uh, there's only a certain number of people that you can know and really know and you really want to be vulnerable within the church. And so finding some places uh, midweek or some other space where you can get together with a small group of blokes of, you know, you know, three, five, ten blokes, uh, I think is, is so valuable for, for men to actually feel safe uh, with the same group of people over uh, a long period of time to actually say, hey, this is what's going on inside of me. These are some of the things that I'm dealing with and struggling with. Can you pray for me? Can you encourage me? Uh, I think that can happen in a multitude of different ways, whether that's working on your car or whether that's sitting around the lounge room drinking coffee. I think uh, different blokes are going to find different uh, ways to connect, but just having those mates that you're, you're being real with and you're being honest with about some of the struggles you got is so important today. And they're not just mates who are in church. Now, let me put you on the spot as a senior pastor of a large church, and you want people, you want the men to turn up on Sunday. But as the senior pastor, are you mean-spirited and you wouldn't give a a good Aussie bloke a leave pass to not attend church on Sunday if they're invited on a camping trip with a whole bunch of Aussie blokes with long hair, beards and wearing flannies? (laughs) What would you say as the senior pastor about the occasional opportunity to actually be part of those friendship groups? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd say go for it. You know, I think as others, some of the calls that we've had this morning are great. You know, putting God first is important. Being committed and making the sacrifice to be part of a faith community is important. But it doesn't mean that from time to time uh, there'll be opportunities to, to go and reflect who Christ is to a group of people which might take you away from a Sunday morning uh, gathering. But it doesn't mean that you can't connect uh, with others and grow in your faith in, in other ways. I would, I would say if that is happening every week and you're never connecting uh, with, with others as part of your faith community and never making the sacrifice to, uh, to worship God, then that's problematic. It is problematic. Let me just give you opportunity here, Jason, to take us a step deeper here because while we're talking about Jesus, the bloke, Jesus, a good bloke, I know you like to take us into a place here where you say that Jesus wasn't just a good bloke. How do you see Jesus for all of those men who are hanging on every word and loving in fact, absolutely cherishing the fact that we're having a conversation like this. How can you take us into this idea of who Jesus really is? He's not just a good bloke. No, as I said, he's a, he's a good bloke, and I think most people would like him. They'd want to follow him. Uh, there's a reason crowds followed him around. But uh, when his best mate John, who wrote the fourth gospel, he says, I'm writing these words, and there's so many other stories that could be told, but I'm writing these words that you might actually believe. This man, who, was, who John described as his best friend, uh, is in fact the very Son of God. And uh, half of John's gospel is actually written uh, even though he spent three years with him, half of his gospel is written simply about the last week of his life leading up to the cross and then what happened at the cross and after the cross. And so at some point, uh, everybody has to make a decision about who Jesus is. And if you look at his life and the miracles that he did and you listen to his teaching uh, and, uh, and the teaching that's still making a difference in the world today, Jesus, you know, wasn't just a good bloke. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a miracle worker. But all of that points to the fact that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God who came to earth to uh, die in our place and is the only one that could do it because our offense, our sin, was against God. And it was only, you know, God in the flesh that could come and take our place on that cross to remove the sin from us that kept us at a distance from our loving Heavenly Father so that we could come back into relationship with God. Nobody else has done that for us. No God has come down to earth to save us. Jesus is the only one. There's a reason he's the most... Uh, um uh, the most popular person in all of history, the most known person in all of history because he's the only God that has come from heaven to earth to die in our place and to make a way for us to have eternal life. And I believe it's only through faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God that uh, we can have that eternal life. And so he truly is the mate that every man needs. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, you've got the footy, you've got fishing, you've got the motor racing, and you've got church, the idea that they might all be on the same level. And there's just, oh, you know, who's this guy trying to tell me that I, 
I should go along and do church. I'm not so into church, but I am into the four-wheel driving, the fishing, the, the getaways. How do you go about prioritizing Jesus more than just a good bloke and saying, this is where I need to get my focus? And whether it be on the Sunday or the midweek, how do you get that you know, do you have to have some encounter with God for that to happen? Uh, is there a supernatural thing that all of a sudden, like a bolt of lightning from out of the blue, comes down and and changes your priorities, and all of a sudden you're turning up at church on Sunday with a suit and tie? <laughs> what are your thoughts here, Jason? Because some of you thinking, you know, I love all of these things, and church just seems to be an extra add-on. Yeah, I I think the the words of Jesus are very important here. His most famous uh, sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he actually says some some words that I think are important in this context. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear. Don't worry about where your money's coming from. All of these things that we chase after. And he says, you know, everybody in the world chases after these things. But if you want to follow me, Seek first my kingdom, and all of these things uh, will be added to you. And so I think that's the important principle. I don't think we need a bolt of lightning out of the blue. I think we actually just need to make a decision to seek first Jesus as king. And then everything else in our life that uh, is important to us, uh, things, pleasure, pursuits like we've talked about, whether it be footy or car racing, and more important things like our family, actually start to make sense. We actually know how to love our family in a way that's going to be best for them because Jesus actually knows our family better than we know our family and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And so that decision to seek first the kingdom of God and then uh, working out you know, what is it that Jesus says about things like family and about how we uh, treat our bodies and about work and uh, about other uh, pleasure pursuits, uh, th- those things uh, start to make more sense when we're not chasing after them for our satisfaction or for our fulfillment or to make us feel good about ourselves, but we're actually finding that first in God through faith in Christ. And for the person who doesn't go to church regularly and thinking that uh, I went there once, uh, I've heard all about that, you're saying there's value in your faith in God. And when you're hearing a Jason Ellsmore speaking from the platform at the Gateway Baptist Church on a Sunday and he's talking about how a man's life committed to God first affects his marriage and his family and his work and his ideas about money and uh, responsibility in a society, how all that starts with Jesus. We're talking about prioritizing how your life will be set into a new motion. Is that is that a fair enough way of describing that, that sort of change that happens when people put Christ first? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I think uh, it would following Christ actually changes every aspect of our lives. Now, I think the, the, the most Aussie blokes actually love their family, want to provide for their family, and, uh, you know, want to care for their family in a way that helps them, uh, you know, become uh, great people. What, what I think the Bible does and what I think, you know, following Jesus does is actually shows us how to do that. 
some of the desires that we have in our heart are actually because we're made in the image of God. Uh, what, what, what following Jesus does is shows us how to actually uh, see those things become a reality. You know, it's faith that works. I imagine some people will see it as risky because they've got their friendship group in place. And uh, in some sense, no doubt, it's a bit of a leadership thing to say, I'm going to prioritize God first. And there's going to be this extra priority that I'm going to include. It is going to include my local church on Sunday. When you've got that that gets established, there's another big thing that starts to happen. And uh, I want to ask you about this too, because prioritizing God's going to church on Sunday may in fact lead us to losing the connection with all of our mates who are off doing the four-wheel drive trip. Uh, They're going camping, they're going fishing, they're going to the motor racing, or they're just sitting in front of the telly watching sport. Losing the connection there is a big loss, isn't it? Absolutely. I think you've got to work very hard to not let that happen. Uh, I've seen, I've myself, I've had to work very hard to stay connected uh, with some people who uh, don't normally sit in church, and so uh, I, I think it has to become a priority because you know Jesus says those three famous parables in Luke chapter fifteen. You know the one that is lost, the one that is outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ right now is the priority. And I'm, I'm going to search for it until it's found. Uh, I'm going to search for them until they're found. Uh, because when one lost person comes home uh, to a relationship with God, that causes more rejoicing in heaven. So finding ways to, uh, to stay connected uh, with those who, who don't know uh, Jesus is really important. One of the things we say uh, in our church at Gateway is that we want you to come to one Sunday service to worship and there's lots of options of how you can do that we want you to be in one life group where you're doing uh, life with others we'd love you to serve in one way in some uh, way that we're serving our community as a church and make so that you've still got time to spend with the ones who don't yet know jesus so don't spend your whole life you know sitting within the four walls of the church that is a priority but make sure you do it in such a way that you've still got time to spend time with the ones that are so valuable to God who don't know him yet. No doubt there'll be some who are thinking, my church seems to prioritize always being together with people in my church. But there's a consequence, isn't there, that if Christian men neglect the pursuits of regular Aussie men, the risk is we'll lose those regular Aussie men and they'll never have a connection with church. Absolutely. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that uh, we're seeing some of the consequences of that. Uh, I certainly played in a rugby club for many years where I was the only Christian. Uh, you know, it was often a hundred blokes in the five grades and I was the only one who was a follower of Jesus in that rugby club. And I know that there'd be many others that would have the same experience in, uh, whether it's a, a motor racing club or a, uh, a library club or a soccer club, whatever you're a part of. You know, many would find that they have that same kind of experience uh, because, you know, as a church, I think we have gotten at times far too focused on what we do within the four walls of our churches and uh, not spent enough time doing what Jesus says is so important in Luke 15 in going to find those who don't yet know Jesus. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.